Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Famara Daiaidu to my Famara Jeju. It's just Peach. Good afternoon. Try saying that again. It's hard to say Famara Daiaidu. <laughs> that joke's going to make a lot more sense later on. First off, Justin, how are you? I'm good. I'm really good. You know, the football is absolutely rolling through. You know, it feels it's, it's a bit sad that there's only like, what, a week, two weeks left of this? And then it's another break of football. We've but got the playoffs coming up as well. Can't forget about the playoffs. Them. Yeah, always forget about the playoffs. Always forget but, about yeah, the playoffs. Pretty good. But, yeah, we've still got about, what, three weeks left of championship football. But then, I mean, this season, the summer break isn't going to be the normal summer break, is it? I no. Mean, we're going to be back in about a month's time. But <laughs> we, we have got loads to still sort out this season. But things are starting to look a lot clearer, Justin, because this weekend has been monumental in terms of results. And we'll get off with the automatic promotion race because Leeds managed to grab a late goal to win 1-0 against Swansea. Six points clear of Brentford now. Three games left. Are Leeds now promoted, Justin? If I was a Leeds fan, I'd say no. But because I'm a bit, I'm a neutral in this sense, I, I think they are. You know, six points um, is a big gap, but it's not necessarily the points gap that is the sway for me. It's the the games that are left. You know, three games left, it's hard to drop points in three games when you've been as relentless and efficient as Leeds have since the since football returned. They've been they've been brilliant, ruthlessly brilliant. Um, you know, there's there's not been a swagger about them. They've been getting the job done. Yeah, efficiency is the word that we quite often use with Marcello Bielsa's mm-hmm. side, isn't it? Um, if my maths is correct and I did get an A in maths at GCSE, so I think this is right. Um, they need four points left, four points from the last three games to get promoted. And considering they've got to play Barnsley and Charlton, mm-hmm. you, you'd have thought they're pretty much there, aren't they? And you'd, you'd, have, you'd have thought, but they're, they're tricky games, aren't they? They're, they're, t- they're two teams that are fighting relegation with every last inch. Charlton, for example, have been... You know, so gritty over the last few weeks. Um, and that's probably why Leeds are a bit more apprehensive than perhaps those neutrals are. <laughs> well, we keep seeing that all over Twitter, don't we? Every time we mm-hmm. even mention <laughs> the words Leeds and promotion in the same sentence, they're instantly telling us to be quiet. But uh, in terms of this performance, it was starting to look like it might be one of those games again for Leeds where they pepper shots at goal and it just doesn't go in, but they eventually manage to find a way through as they so often do. Um, I, As mentioned, I love how Leeds fans are telling us they're not going to get promoted yet. They want us to just hold <laughs> off for now. Um, but it's understandable, isn't it? But the games they've got left, as I say, it's, it is pretty much over now. And I think uh, we'll hold off 
for the Leeds promotion party until midweek when they, as mentioned, do have Barnsley. Um, we'll talk about them a bit later on as well. But first off, let's just quickly go on to Swansea because they didn't create too much in this game, as not many teams do against Leeds, do they? Uh, Swansea would have gone level with Cardiff had they held on to the points, yeah. but they're now just a point behind Cardiff and results haven't really gone their way uh, in terms of the teams around them with Millwall winning, Preston winning. Is it as clean cut as a two-horse race between Swansea and Cardiff for the last promotion plus playoff place? I, I don't think so. I, I, I said it on Thursday. I probably said it last weekend as well. I still think Cardiff in the driving seat. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Cardiff, but they're, they're probably breathing a sigh of relief again um, with Swansea dropping points. It seems that the teams that have been chasing Cardiff have all dropped points in the last week, which should give them a bit of confidence and. The game against Derby on, on Tuesday night for Cardiff is a big game. I, I think Swansea just don't have that edge that they need to keep the form going. They've not really had that since probably Boyer Baston was banging them in um, in the first month of the season. You know, they've not really had that run of form um, since then. And it's and that's probably the one thing that's holding them back. It's, it's, it's holding a lot of teams back, trying to, you know, Blackburn, Millwall, you know, Derby have had a little run of late. Um and Preston, they've not they've just not been able to gain any momentum. Cardiff, apart from the last two games, have been that team. Yeah, well, they've got tricky games coming up against Forest and a rejuvenated Bristol City of Swansea. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, they've got the work cut out ahead of them. And as mentioned, it's still so tight around the final playoff place that whoever wins, whoever gets that final playoff place is going to earn it because... All you've got to do is uh, just plug away and get the wins on the board, haven't you? So uh, let's talk about the uh, the automatic promotion race before we get on to the playoff race a bit later on because West Brom dropped points after they drew one all away at Blackburn. <laughs> one hell of a game, this one. Oh, yes. uh, West Brom will feel like they should have won because they had a hat full of chances, but at the same time, so did Blackburn. So West Brom, not as defensively solid as they have been in recent weeks, no. but... Um, talking about the result as a whole, it's a draw that opens things up, doesn't it? Because West Brom, three points ahead of Brentford now, and there's still only three games left mm-hmm. for Brentford to catch them. But they're relying on Slavin Bilic's side, dropping more points, aren't they, are Brentford? Can you see it happening? I mean, I I, I questioned in the week why, uh, why West Brom was so nervous against Derby, because Derby didn't look like laying a glove on West Brom at all, but this this game against Blackburn probably gave you an indication as to why West Brom could have been two or three nil up in the first half. Oh yeah, definitely. They had they had really good chances. Charlie Austin, uh, you know, he, he needs to, he needs to be called out because you know he's probably on a, a fair amount of you know, a fair salary for a Championship striker who's been there and done it at this level. When he's missing chances like he has done, it's not good enough. Um, and as I say, you know, after three straight wins and the, the chances that they did create, look, you're a West Brom striker. You've got Pereira, Diangana, Grisicki. You're going to get chances. You're going to get chances. So not putting them away consistently enough isn't good enough. Um, and that, unfortunately, is why Leeds are ahead of them. And it's why Brentford are, are coming up behind them. Yeah, they really were the makers of their own downfall in this game, really. Mm-hmm. As mentioned as well, defensively, they weren't great and West Blackburn could have easily snatched it at the end with, I think it was Adam Armstrong had a glorious chance. And then West Brom will be staring down the barrel, won't they, with Brentford hot on their heels. Fulham on Tuesday night for the baggies. 
<laughs> Fulham could be the kingmakers because, well, more importantly, from their, their perspective, they could be deciding who they play <coughs> in the playoffs. So they've definitely want to uh, try and get the right result there, don't they? No, definitely. And weirdly, West Brom have Fulham and QPR in um, in the net, uh, last in the final three games, two of Brentford's West London <laughs> rivals. So maybe there's a bit of well, I mean, QPR have gone on holiday anyway, but Fulham will still be wanting to pick up points. Um, but I'm not sure QPR ever of... returned from the holiday, did they? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there'll be a bit of oh, shall we not not give you the win, but make it a bit easier for you. To get up some points. Conspiracy. That's just speculation. That's just speculation. <laughs> yeah, well, West Brom will definitely need to put away more of the chances um, against Fulham on Tuesday night, which is such a massive game. It really is. Uh, but Blackburn, a mm. great result for them. It doesn't really affect their season because they're unlikely to get in the playoffs now, aren't they? But this performance does give credence to the point we made in our last couple of episodes that Blackburn could be a team to watch for next season, couldn't they? Definitely. You know, there, there are foundations of a good side here um for example sam gallagher yesterday looked quite sharp when he came on which is something that we've not been up to say for a long time you know armstrong um was 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 fairly quiet um but you know danny graham had chances rothwell looked sharp holtby looked good you know there are there are as i say foundations for a good side and i think there were murmurs of frustration from blackburn fans towards mowbray but you know given that the amount of terrible managerial choices Blackburn have made over the last I don't know since Steve Keane since his tax Sam Allardyce and brought in Steve Keane um they've only just finally started to recover under Tony Mowbray and you know you've got Bradley Dack coming in and as I say you've got a good goal scorer in Armstrong there's quality all over the pitch and they're not far away either I think from competing to get into the top six yeah they seem to be a side on the up don't they as opposed to Definitely. plenty of other championship sides who look like they're slowly <laughs> sliding mm-hmm. down the football pyramid um, but let's talk about the team that everyone can't stop salivating over at the moment Justin unless you're a Leeds or West Brom fan it's Brentford yeah. they continued their remarkable run of form with a 3-1 win over Derby, seven straight wins now for the Bees. Another mm-hmm. scintillating performance. They, they're they unstoppable, aren't they, at this very moment in time? I think when you're in as good as form as Brentford, everything goes right. When when things aren't going right, they go right, if that makes sense. Um, it's, it, as you say, it's a massive result for Brentford. They keep, they keep the pressure on West Brom, um, not so much Leeds, but definitely West Brom. Um, and, and, and the, you know, the better thing is, I don't think Brentford were at the best against Derby. They created some good chances, but I don't think they were at their peak. They were amazing, but they they they, they still looked dangerous every time they went forward. Um, they could have been a lot better, but they they find ways to win, and that's the makings of a, of a, a very good team. Um, you know, three points off second, three games to go. It's you know, you're looking at it with a, a bit of optimism from a, a Brentford perspective, definitely. Yeah, sorry, Ben Rama's second goal need to talk about that for a sec because I know we're nearly becoming a side Ben Rama podcast but well Brentford have been brilliant since the restart he has been out of this world hasn't he and that goal was just remarkable hitting the ball that sweetly and that accurately when he's running full pace away from goal it's so hard to do um he's now played a part in 10 goals in his last seven the man's an alien (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Seven, seven goals since the restart and, you know, 17 altogether for a winger. Oh, it's unbelievable. For a winger. And, you know, if, if, if I thought he could hit 20, that would be oh, remarkable easily. if he hit 20. Easily could. Um, and as you say, we're almost a Saeed Ben Rama podcast. I mean, we were 
uh, an Aborigine Easy podcast earlier on this season, <laughs> but these players are fantastic, and you you have to, as you, as you used the word salivate <laughs> already in this podcast, you have to salivate over these players when they're in the championship because they don't last for long because the big clubs throw money at them, and there's a reason why. Um, you just have to appreciate their ability. I mean, from a from Derby fans' perspective, it was it was a, a performance I enjoyed watching yesterday because he is so good. Yeah, let's talk about what it means for the bigger picture, Justin, because uh, this does now mean Brentford are three points behind West Brom. They are relying on the baggies to drop points still. Um, but Brentford, their last three, Preston, Stoke, Barnsley, do you back them to carry on winning all their games for the rest of the season? Uh, it's hard to see them stopping, isn't it? No, uh, it is hard to see them stopping, but I'm such a, I'm such a pessimist with this because <laughs> if they finish in the playoffs, they end up playing in the playoffs... I don't know. I don't know if that would demoralise a team going so close and then having to do it three more times to, to you know to get promotion. But they've they've got a settled side now. The, the back four is settled. Um, they've got players coming in and out. They've got good rotation. They've got good depth, which is something we weren't able to say before the January transfer window. Obviously, Fosu, Baptiste. You got Roslev coming through and Zambrek uh, making appearances off the bench. There's a good rotation there, which is which is massive. Um, in going into the playoffs, or yeah. perhaps automatics. Well, uh, I'm not ruling that you can't rule out the automatics at this point, but can you? And the, if, every time I see Brentford play, the more and more threatening they look of nicking that last place from West Brom. I mean, all, all West Brom have to do is just keep winning games. They And the thing <laughs> is, they can't afford to drop points anymore, can they? Because Brentford will just gladly uh, make up the lost grounds, but time mm. is running out now, and... West Brom have got time on their side. Uh, just quickly, we'll talk about Derby because it's quite funny looking at Derby fans' reaction to the yeah. last three games. Because before that, when they were in good form, they were like, oh, four games against the top five, bring it on. But now yeah. suddenly it's all doom and gloom. Um, but I didn't think Derby were actually too bad in this game. They no. certainly gave Brentford more of a game than they've had in recent weeks, didn't they? Yeah, you compare it to the game um, early on in the season at Griffin Park and Derby were nowhere near them. Oh, yeah. Nowhere near. It was. I was scared. It could have been six or seven for Brentford. It really could have been. Um, but they went toe to toe at times and had that second Ben Rama, first Ben Rama goal not going in. I think it, it might have been a different game um, to some extent. Um, they, they grew into the game. Some good passing moves, but it was another mistake that cost them. Just one thing as well. Sixty percent of goals since the restart have originated from the right back position for Derby. You know, I'm not slating Bogle. He's a good attacker, but there is suspect defending there and he, he does need more help from a from a from a wide player so there's there's an easy solution um for Derby there yeah well Bo- Bogle's quite often the target of criticism and he is a young lad and mm-hmm. defensively <clears throat> I think maybe he would he even he would admit he's better going forwards than he is defensively mm. um he just needs the right coach doesn't he to kind of iron out the creases because he, he comes across as quite a raw talent still and with mm. the right manager he could be a very good player but he's he's still got a lot of maturing to do hasn't he um ben hamer you mentioned there it was another mistake that has cost derby and it was the second clanger in as many games now for him mm. he it was it, it was a bad mistake to say the very least. In fact, it was probably one of the worst mistakes we've seen this season. We've seen a lot of mistakes from goalkeepers this season. But uh, overall, for Derby, goalkeeper is one position that needs addressing ASAP for next season, isn't it? 
yeah, that would be priority. You, you might have goals Derby have conceded from goalkeeping errors, um, whether that yeah. be not commanding the area from, you know, Kel Roos and Ben Hamer. Um, it's, it's not good and it needs to be addressed. Just a weird coincidence, Ben, ben Hamer, Ben Rama. That's not even close. <laughs> yeah, no? Okay. I'm not having that, but I get what you can <laughs> One thing that is even tighter than the promotion race, Justin, is the battle to avoid relegation. Because there was a gigantic result on Friday night as Luton beat Huddersfield 2-0. A great result for the Hatters. But the main thing I took away from this game was how bad Huddersfield were. Yeah. I'm, am I right in saying they posted an XG of zero at half-time? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching this game with my brother. And even though Huddersfield were better in the second half, I say better with quotation marks because... Yeah. They couldn't have been much worse. Um, my brother said, I think Huddersfield could play until Saturday afternoon and I wouldn't bat them to score. And I think that was a fair assessment, really, because yeah, yeah. they looked fairly toothless in this game. If they do avoid relegation, which I think they will, because if I'm honest, there are more te- there are teams at a bigger risk than them. Um, they're going to avoid relegation by limping over the line, aren't they? Because they <laughs> yeah. have been fairly poor since the restart. No, definitely. You know, it's, they've collected one point in six games, which is you know, it's one in eighteen, which is which is poor. But like Stoke, the restart, sorry, football going well, lockdown in general came at a, a bad time for them. They just started to pick up form wise, performance wise, um, and you know, from the Premier League, they needed to to parachute down, you know, rather than crash down like they like they did do in this season. Well, at the end of the season, they need to refresh completely. Um, uh, the Cowleys have come into a lot of criticism as well, which I, I don't agree with. You know, since they've come in, they've collected 46 points, which is, you know, they've got 47 overall. So they collected one point before they came in, <laughs> which is why they are where they are. You know, that it would plonk them 16th. It's not great, but as I said, the squad was terrible. You know, they were awful. So what they've done since coming in is remarkable. They hadn't won for a year. I said in September that I didn't think the players had the stomach for a relega- relegation battle, and they don't. They are choking again. Um, like they did last season, um, they need to rebuild under the Cowleys. Uh, you know, there's no question about it. Whatever league they're in, um, he's inherited Wagner and Seaworth squads uh, squad, which you know we, we look at signs like the Embenza signing, for example. You know, signing <laughs> and loaning him out is just is it was terrible. Um, I don't blame the Cowleys at all. Yeah, from Danny Cowley's perspective, I imagine he just wants to get the season over with so he can have a bit of a sort out of who he wants and who he doesn't want. Because I get the impression there are quite a few players there who he'd happily get off the wage bill instantly if he could. Luton, you've got to commend the heart they are showing. It's really Mm. something to behold. One loss in their last nine games. Technically, just one point from safety with Wiggins' points deduction. QPR, Hull and Blackburn up next. They're bloody staying up, aren't they? <laughs> I really want to see it. Um, I really do. The you know the Nathan Jones freight train is is in full speed now. Um, I, you know, I laid into them last week because the defending against Reading was generally the worst I've ever I've seen mm. this season over the last five seasons. It was ter- it was terrible, but they recovered. You know, a team a team low on confidence genuinely would have folded after that Reading defeat. They would have collapsed, uh, but they haven't let it affect them. Uh, and that's testament, firstly, to Jones getting the players up off the floor, um, and obviously the players for for picking themselves up again because they've had some bad runs of form this season. 
Yeah, it's amazing how much one win can really make things look a lot better for a side. And this win has certainly done it because, as mentioned, they are only one point from safety now, which is madness to think, considering where they were a few, well, a couple of months ago. But now Mm. they look like they have got a very, very good chance of staying up. I'd probably give them a better chance of staying up than Hull. At this rate, no, time. definitely. And uh, just, well, a few of the teams above them aren't in great forms themselves, are they? Definitely. And just one more thing, Nathan Jones. If you compare his interview yesterday to his interview, he's probably his last interview at Stoke. He looks healthier. He looks happier, <laughs> and, he, and he looks, you know, enthusiastic. Which, you know, he looked dishevelled at Stoke, but this this Luton this this you know run of form they're on now has completely rejuvenated him and obviously the, the squad as well. Yeah, Hull in midweek for Luton. Massive game. Massive. I mean, we said this about the Barnsley game, didn't we? It was nil. It was it was one one, wasn't it? And you know, that's true. But I'd say that anything other than a Luton win in this game is a positive result for Hull. It's not like before with the Barnsley Luton game where a draw doesn't really help either side. I'd say mm. anything but a Luton win is a positive for Hull. So whatever happens. <clears throat> I can't make it. You've got to go for broke, haven't they? They have. They really have. Uh, two of the bottom three played each other yesterday, Justin, but it ended Barnsley nil, Wigan nil. First off, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, Anthony Robinson's tackle on Killian Ludwig. Make sure you find <laughs> it. It is brilliant. It's on our social media. In Whoa. summary, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> it's brilliant. he tackles him so hard. He does like a Jeff Hardy front flip. <laughs> It's unbelievable. But it was actually quite a one-sided game, this. Wigan managed only one shot and Barnsley having some massive chances. But from a Barnsley perspective, it's the second game they've had against a key relegation rival, the second game they've drawn, and the second game where a point isn't really good enough. Justin, we've been optimistic plenty of times about Barnsley's chances of staying up over the past few weeks. But is it time we put a nail in the coffin? I think so. I think Struber has sort of helped that along. You know, he looked completely worn out, you know, and his, his hands were on his knees um, at the end of the game against Wigan. He, I think he knew that it's a, it's a long shot now. As you said, the last two games, or, well, you'd consider Wigan a relegation rather now because of yeah. the potential points deduction. Um, and obviously Luton are picking up points. As a, From a Barnsley perspective, it's it's not ideal. It's not, and it's... They've got quality in the side. It's it's a shame that it might not be in the championship next season because I'd be excited to see what Struber can do. But um, they are where they are because of you know I'm thinking they won one in I don't know 17 games I think from um, August to um, November. Yeah, and they just is, haven't got the points exactly. on the board, have they? And that, I know that's no. quite a simple thing to say, <clears> but ultimately, even though Barnsley have put in great performances. Ultimately, it's all about putting points on the board and there are only two points from safety, which for anyone who's listening might not sound like that much with three games left. But the next three, Leeds, Forest, Brentford. It's a cruel run and I struggle to see them getting anything from those games. Maybe something against Forest, but I'm going to say Barnsley probably are down. And it is a shame because Struber has done such a good job since coming in because Barnsley were looking terrible before he Mm -hmm. took to the helm and at one point they looked dead and buried but he's managed to claw it back but it might just be a bridge too far but if they do finish bottom it will be harsh because I do like this Barnsley side they have actually been quite good this season but I'm quietly confident they'll bounce back 
if they are in League One next season. It depends on who they manage to keep, but Struber looks like he knows what he's doing. And I'm I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in League One next season. Put it if that they way. can keep him. If, I if imagine there'll be suitors him. for him. Possibly. You never know. I, the, the, the way things are going at Barnsley, there, there could be quite a few clubs having a look at the players that are available there and the management team. Uh, right, let's go to Wigan because with the points deduction, they're technically three points from safety. But Hall, Charlton and Stoke, who are just above Wigan, have managed a total of one point over the last three round of games before uh, Stoke obviously got the win earlier today. Uh, who have Wigan got to play next? Hull and Charlton. I'd be feeling confident if I was a Wigan fan, Justin. Definitely, and they've got they've got players in form, which is which is massive. And obviously, Robinson not getting a red card for that tackle that was a three game ban. <laughs> no. That was definitely a, that was definitely a three game. Was ban. it a three game um, ban? I know it was. it, oh, it was it was here. a firm challenge. But it wasn't it was a firm challenge. The yes. man did a somersault. Ryan. I know he did a somersault, but it wasn't like I don't know. He wasn't studs up or anything, was it? It was excessive force and excessive force and a bit more excessive force. Come on, maybe that it was, was a red off card. Balance. <laughs> no, that, that was a red card. But anyway, as I said, they've got players in form, and obviously losing one of the key players, Robinson, to a red card would have been a three-game ban. Definitely would have been terrible for Wigan, but. And one player I do want to highlight is, is Cal Naismith. I think he's been fantastic since the restart. Um, he's, he's, he's versatile, he's trusted, and he's hardworking for the Wigan side. Um, he, he does a really good job of driving the side forward um, with some marauding runs. He's very good at winning, winning headers, and, and he wins a, a high number of tackles for a wide player. I know he's played centre-half and left-back, but you know I think he started on the right wing um, against Barnsley. Um, he epitomises Paul Cook's Wigan side in, in some aspects. You know, the hard-working... Don't look, don't necessarily look like they're they're an unassuming good side, um, and he looks a bit like Spud from Train Spotting, which I'm not sure you'll get that reference. But I'm sure Paddy will. I do get that reference. I love yeah. Train Spotting. Um, but either way, um, I think Wigan have got a great chance of staying up now, haven't they? Uh, this result doesn't really help them too much, but as mentioned, they have got some massive games coming up. If there is one concern, then it's that they weren't very good in this game against Barnsley, were they? But it was their first unconvincing performance in a while, barring the Brentford game. So they're still going into the next few games on a high, aren't they? Uh, just sitting above the relegation zone, for the time being, that is, are Hull, who are beaten 1-0 by Millwall, thanks to an absolute shit-snorter from Ryan Leonard. My God! Just quickly, who does that two minutes into a game? And not only that, Ryan Leonard's not scored for 18 months. <laughs> Where did that come from? What a way to break an 18-month dog. Would you say that was goal of the season? Possibly. I, I need a compilation in front of me to properly judge, but certainly it's going to be up there, isn't it? Well, the one that always stands out to me is Corley Woodrow's goal from Barnsley earlier in the season. I think it was against yeah. Charlton. And there have been some impressive goals this season, but that one's still been top of the pile for me. But this Ryan Leonard one, might just top it because it, it reminds me of, uh, do you remember Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's goal for Holland against Uruguay in the World Cup in like 2010, I think it was, just because it's yeah. from a similar area of the pitch and the way it's just flown into the top corner. Yeah, it didn't look like stopping. Did no, it? no. If the net wasn't there, it'd still be going right now. That's how well he <laughs> struck it. Uh, but now Hull have lost their last three. 
um, and look to be on a shortcut to League One at the moment. But they haven't played too badly. And this was another game where they were perhaps unlucky not to get anything from it. Um, however, it is all about getting points on the board and it's just not happening for them at the moment, is it? No, they, they created plenty of chances. Um, but, I mean, we've we've pointed out before that Tommy's isn't a goal scorer, McGuinness isn't a goal scorer. James Scott is, is still quite a raw, inexperienced talent at this level. Keen Lewis Potter is still, you know, he's coming through the ranks, pretty, you know, similar state to to uh, James Scott. There's, yeah, it's, I, the most damning thing you can say about Hall is the fact that Luton are behind him. They've been behind him for a while, and at no point have I been unconvinced that Luton have a better chance of staying up than Hall this season. <laughs> It's remarkable, it's not, isn't it? considering the yeah. points gap that the two of them were on. Um, Hall fans have been messaging us, uh, giving Grant McCann an absolute battering, Justin. How much blame do you lay at his door for the position that the club are in? Um, I think a little... I, no, actually, no, I will, I will lay blame there, but it is, it's been a long time coming. Nigel Atkins did a remarkable job. Grant McCann, up until January, did a remarkable job. He lost Bowen and Grisicki. I think that was 70% of the goals there that they lost, um, goal contributions anyway. Um, so the But you then have to adapt, you know, <laughs> becoming a team that starts to shithouse, that plays the lowest block possible, that, that makes Tony Pulis looks, look like an attacking coach. You know, you have to start to resort to those tactics if you can't score goals, and that's something Hall haven't done they've leaked goals they've not adjusted they've not adapted um so you do have to lay blame at McCann's door as well but then again injuries players not coming back after you know the contracts expiring that's technically the club's fault actually because of the uh, renewals but it's been a terrible perfect storm of blame yeah I I, I... Don't think Grant McCann deserves as much of the blame as Hall fans are giving him, but he does deserve some of the blame, doesn't he? You've got to look higher up at whoever's in charge of transfers and you know contracts at the club for a lot of the blame, in my opinion. But they are just one point above the relegation zone now, and it's not looking good for them at this moment in time. But it was a big win for Millwall, one they needed to keep their playoff hopes alive. Yeah. They're just two points behind Cardiff now, but with their recent performances doesn't particularly inspire much confidence in me that Millwall can finish in the top six. Are you the same? Perhaps, yeah. Um, I was I was really on their side at the start of um, the football restart because of their run of games, because I like Rowett. Uh, I like Millwall under Rowett. But this this game, for example, against Hall, Bielkowski was very busy. They're stereotypically a defensive side. They're very good at defending um, and they haven't been very good at defending since the restart. Um, and obviously with that, they, they also haven't been creating a, a lot, of, well, they haven't been scoring a lot of goals. Um, you know, Ryan has scored from 35 yards out, for example. <laughs> They're probably just a little bit off, you know, being a contender for the playoffs, but you can't rule them out because they've got a fair run of games compared to other teams. Yeah, tough game against Blackburn in midweek, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, a side who looked to be heading out of the relegation <coughs> battle were Charlton, but their recent form has seen them dragged back in <laughs> because they've had three straight losses, their latest against Reading in yesterday's early game. George Puskas got the only goal. But did Charlton have a goal disallowed, which should have stood because Chuck Zaniki was deemed offside uh, for one mm. of the goals? What did you think? think Justin I it's 
Charlton have had a couple of them this season. They have. At, down that end, haven't they? Because mm. I remember being so angry at one of them being disallowed <laughs> um, early on in the season. And I have to say that the the linesman's got it wrong. He was he looked onside for me. Um, I, I mean, as we've seen with the Robinson tackle and the Lou Sibley red card in midweek, officiating has been terrible since the restart uh, hour level about well, second tier level it has been for most of the season really hasn't it oh yeah exactly you know but there was a nice i forgot about it <laughs> and now it's back i'm like oh it's still terrible um but charlton have had a couple of those this season which might prop them up the table had they had it gone their way but these things even themselves out not particularly in Charles' experience. Yeah. Well, Lee Bowie was absolutely fuming with the ref after the game. And even Mark Bowen admitted he he wasn't sure about some of the decisions. Uh, But similarly to Hull, Charlton didn't actually do too badly in this game. And we'll be wondering how they didn't grab at least a point, but ultimately they didn't. And now they're just just two points above the bottom three. And they're looking over their shoulder again, aren't they? (laughs) It's one of those things like, you start like even Stoke now, the, just a, a defeat in midweek and a couple of wins here and there, and they're back in it. Well, the thing is, it's, isn't it? All, all the teams who are, all the teams in the bottom three seem to be getting points on the board, and all the teams just above the bottom three don't seem to be getting points on the board. So as soon as you get a win, suddenly you jump up and you start to look like actually they might be safe now. Uh, but Charlton, mm-hmm. because they haven't and have been on this terrible run of three straight losses, they suddenly look like they could be one of the chief teams to fall into the relegation zone before the end of the season so it's so tight and that's why we bloody love the championship isn't it <laughs> uh, but Reading quite lucky in this game not a great performance by any means uh, not really too much to say on them is there because their season's just about over <laughs> I will give praise to uh, young Tom McIntyre in defence he had a great game and he looks a really decent player he's only Played a few games this season, but he's one to keep an eye on for next season. That is for sure. Stoke got a massive win on Sunday afternoon after beating Birmingham 2-0. They're now five points clear of the bottom three. Because, as I say, all you need, Justin, is just one win and then suddenly you're flying up the table again. So, surely, with that, five points clear, three Mm -hmm. games left. Surely Stoke are safe now, aren't they? You'd say that, but they're on the same number of points as Birmingham um, as Birmingham City, but I, I consider Birmingham City to still be wary. I, I, I expect them. I think they're in a relegate, relegation fight for these last three games, and you know Stoke have a bit of momentum. You know, a, a last three, well, last two games, ignoring the lead result, they they've done all right. They've done okay. Obviously, it's a good result against Birmingham City, but um, it's hard. It's hard to nail down whether or not they are safe because. At times they've looked safe and then they're back in it again and they're back out of it again and they're back in it again. It's madness. Well, the thing is that I, I'm not convinced Birmingham are in a, a relegation battle. We'll talk about them in a sec. But the fact that Stoke, five points clear at the bottom three and all the teams down there are struggling for points so much that you ask, it's a big ask for all those teams to pick up at least two wins um, before the end of the season and Stoke you know, not pick up any points. Uh, so I'd consider Stoke safe at this point. And that's good because I, I want to see Michael O'Neill with Stoke in the championship next season, see what he can really do uh, at mm. club level. Cause obviously <clears> he did a great job at Northern Ireland, didn't he? Just quickly, Adam Davies starting goal instead of Jack Butland. 
your one of so your favourite goalkeepers. He hasn't played so much this season. A year. <laughs> I think he, well, his contract would have run out um, for Barnsley this time last year, sort of at the end of June. He's been at Stoke a full year and he's finally getting a game. Yeah, he's hardly featured at all, has he? I'm just having a quick look to see how much he's played. But the fact that, in fact, that's his first league game of the season. But, but... I'd have made a big deal about it if he, you know. <laughs> the thing he's, is, he's kept a clean sheet. Exactly. And Jack Butland has had such a nightmare this season that he's ridiculous that he hasn't played more because he was brilliant at Barnsley in League One last season. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable, really. But uh, Birmingham, they were crap again. And they. You say they've been dragged into a relegation battle. I'm not sure because five points is a big ask to get uh, dragged into the bottom three from that point. But the fact that they have been, you know, pulled down to that level says a lot about how bad they've been, doesn't it? Well, that's what I mean. They're, they're on a, a terrible run of form. The bottom of the form table over the last six games, Hull are above them. Um you know, they're down there and they're down there for a reason. When you consider the fact that I think we got a few pelters from Birmingham City fans early on in the season because we didn't expect them to compete for the playoffs. Now, I hate to say I told you so, but... <laughs> <laughs> I told you so. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't expect it to be this bad. Um, but as I've said, I, I think they are... They, they, I think they will avoid relegation, but they're in it now. They're in, they're in that scrap. I still, I still think Stoke are a little bit, um, but you know they're, they're three points above Hull or a third bottom. It's it's tight, and if if Wigan manage to scrape out and you know in an ideal way they don't get a points deduction, there's three places, not two. So, happy no. I think Birmingham are right because, as I say, Luton are um, the team who is currently technically sat. 22nd and well they're five points clear of them it's a big ask is all I'm saying uh, the final team involved in the relegation battle is Middlesbrough who were quite comfortably beaten 3-1 by Bristol City Naki Well was getting two of the goals we'll talk about them in a set because it was a poor performance from Middlesbrough however it's not diabolical because a lot of results went their way um, mm-hmm. would you say when you look at the table that one win would make Middlesbrough safe because there are so many teams down there and they won't all pick up points. So my thinking is that if Borough do manage to get just one more win, then safety will be secured. Potentially. I think I think that the target most managers that are down there at the start of the season that expect to be down there, is it like 42 or 50 points they aim for? In, in the Premier League, it's 42, isn't it? But... In the okay, championship, it, it's... it would be roughly about fifty then, um, and that you know that would see him get fifty. So yeah, it's bang on the money. But Borough again are one of those sides. I just it's hard to see where they're going to pick up another win because they can't score any goals. Well, they've done all right recently, haven't they? They got um, a win in midweek, but they do look a bit scrappy under old what? Mr. That's, Warlock, that's don't they? It's the same issues all season, especially in this game. You know. I think that the lack of goals this season is you can attribute attribute it to to the Pulis area. The fact that he built a team that was that relied on their on their defending. You know they now cannot defend, and they can't put away chances. Um, it is it is a big worry for Borough, and it's it's they're one of those sides alongside Huddersfield Town who need to rebuild this summer. Well, Bristol City, two wins in two now for them since sacking Lee Johnson. They've won more points in the last two games than they've got in their last eleven. 
But unfortunately, it's too late for their hopes of getting in the playoffs now. But when you see Bristol City play like they have done here, and with the players that they've got, you wonder how they're not getting in the playoffs because they're quite a good team, aren't they, on their day? It's exactly what I put in my notes because this is a very good side. Patterson, just to, you know, highlights why I think he should be Bristol City's player of the season. He's he's rejuvenated them since he's come back. Um and that's that, that's the, the the worst thing is him being allowed to leave is is as damning as as it is for for, for Lee Johnson, you know he just didn't trust his creative players. Patterson was one of them. Palmer barely gets a game, and Elisson was in and out. Um, Holden has, has took it. I think he's took it back to basics. You know they're playing a, a system that they're familiar with, and they're getting they're getting the best out of the the players. And as well as that, Naki Wells is scoring goals. He, he took his first, his first goal was brilliant. Oh yeah, it was a beautiful um, finish. Jim Patterson's and, goal actually was superb as well. Yeah, definitely. And um, his final goal was was a really neat finish as well. And he's got Vyman back on form. Jeju was contributing because he was he was good again. Oh sorry, Diadu Diadu Diadu. So for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, Chris Kamara, in his infinite wisdom, decided to pronounce Kamara Jeju as Diadu. Um, and uh, it's it's just typical Chris Kamara in Bristol he City. To pronounce every single letter, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> initially when I saw Jeju, I think that's how I pronounced his name without knowing how you actually pronounced it. So I, I could see why he said that. But uh, Jeju posted a video on Twitter later in the day, uh, taking the Mickey out of it as well. So it's it's all good fun in the end, isn't it? But I look at Bristol City. And I think that if they got in the right manager, because obviously they are managerless at the moment, they could challenge for automatic promotion next season because this is a very talented squad. <laughs> and if they bring in a couple of players in the summer, uh, I'm not talking many, maybe a midfielder and a defender, then they could be a mm-hmm. real force next season. All they need is just the right man to gel them together and yeah. really kick them on and put them on the right path because they're not miles away. It's just maybe they've been held back in certain ways by held back is the perfect uh, phrase honestly yeah I, I, I think I'm probably right yeah uh, let's head up to the race <laughs> <laughs> for the playoffs um, because that's opened up a bit after Cardiff lost 2-0 to Fulham uh, Fulham winning even with Mitrovic starting for a change Justin uh, this is a much better performance from Fulham they wanted they created lots of chances against the Cardiff side which mm-hmm. is hard to break down especially in recent weeks yeah. and Fulham could have won by more really but they'll want to keep building momentum heading into the playoffs won't they because that's going to be so important no, definitely. And I, they're a different side to the one against Leeds, against mm. Brentford. They're a completely different side. And, you know, Parker's got him going in a, in a slightly different way to what we we know he's been playing, well, how they've been playing all season. Yeah. They're a bit more unpredictable, which is which is ideal. And as I said, Onuma, his, his finish was fantastic for the second goal. And you know, the, the first one was was from a from from across from deep because um, you know Mitrovic won the penalty penalty um, as a result, you know across from deep, which is something we've been crying out for for a while. So yeah, he's finally got them going. Fulham seem to get more results when they don't overplay it all the time, which is frustrating. Exactly. When all Scott Parker does is ask his team to overplay it all the time. Uh, but whichever league Fulham are in next season, 
they could do a lot worse than signing Harrison Reed because he's someone who has really stood out for mm. me. When it comes to dictating the play in the middle of the park, he is brilliant and not just at passing the ball around as well. He wins the ball back really mm. well as well. He's he's just so, so good and he's perfect for the way Scott Parker wants to play. I'm not convinced that with the players they have, they should be playing that way. But Fulham should do themselves a favour and sign up Harrison Reed because he has been one of the real players to really stand up and be counted in the past three or four yeah. games that Fulham have won. He He's really changed how they've performed. And uh, let's look ahead to who they've got next because West Brom away, Justin. Massive game, more so for West Brom, but Fulham, they could be deciding who they end up playing in the playoffs. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be an interesting, interesting game because, you know, Fulham pick up a win, then the Brentford... Uh, Brentford lot start to take a bit of notice and as we've said they're hard, they're hard to stop at the moment so I cannot wait to watch that game in the middle Oh it's going to be massive uh, Two straight losses for Cardiff now just as they were looking like they might be wrapping up the final top six place mm. but big game against Derby in midweek before Middlesbrough and Hull so they'll be aiming for what at least seven points from those games? You'd have thought so they were surprisingly would that be enough, cool. do you think? Seven points? Yes. You, as I've said, Cardiff, I think, are in the driving seat. Mm. They, they've been the most consistent side since a lot, um, since the restart. And, um, you know, Swansea, Stutter, Preston, Stutter, Millwall, Stutter, Derby, Stuttered. I know Cardiff are limping a little bit now, but that game against Derby is a perfect opportunity for them to pick up three points and go again yeah at Deepdale it was Preston 1 Forest 1 a well-earned point for Preston to keep their playoff hopes alive Jaden Stockley got on the score sheet again meaning he's got more goals and assists in his last two games than he's managed all season now Uh, but Preston two points off Cardiff and Swansea which doesn't sound much but when you consider Preston's form and the fact they've got Brentford next it's going to be tough isn't it no definitely and as I said uh, just a second ago they've stuttered but they're picking up points. It's fourth in the last two, which, you know, they're all one nil down against Sheffield Wednesday. They're one nil down against Forest. There's a bit of fight here from Preston. It's there and you've got players that are starting to pick up form that haven't been in form all season. Stockley's got two in two. Brad Potts came up with the assist and obviously got a goal in midweek as well. He's come from nowhere. Mm. Um, so, as I said, you know, players are picking up form at the, at the right times for them. Um it's, it's possible. I, I don't see it, but it is possible for Preston to sneak into that sixth place. Yeah, it is a massive ask, isn't it? And they'll have to get something from the Brentford game, quite simply, for no, any uh, chance, yeah, won't yeah. they? Because, as mentioned, Cardiff are looking at a realistic seven points from their last few games, and with Preston two points behind, they've got to try and pull something out of the bag in midweek. Uh, but Forest, they're all secure in the top six now, really, aren't they? They could have had a big say in the playoff race and relegation battle, though, in the next few games because they got Swansea mm. up next and then Barnsley and Stoke. So they could be deciding who's playing in what league next season. They're, they're just here to ruin season. Now, Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, two teams have nothing to play for, but it was still a good game nonetheless. It was a QPR nil Wednesday 3. Wednesday looking superb here. QPR, not so much so. No, definitely. You know, <laughs> De Cruz looked unbelievable and he's been terrible since he's come in. Um, I think Sheffield Wednesday could have been five or six up. Windass could oh, have definitely. had a hat trick. He got if he if he got on the end of some of um, De La Cruz's crosses, 
this would have been embarrassing. I mean, it's a little bit embarrassing, but it could have been worse. Um, but it is a good result for Wednesday. You know, they'd have been good um, in midweek, you know, l losing the lead and, and blowing it like they did. Um, and they they pretty much shot themselves in the foot all season. Well, since since um, since January, really. But, you know, they've still got to get points on the board. There's still this impending EFL charge. So there's a bit more fight. Um, a bit more fight there from Wednesday um, compared to QPR who have nothing to play for. No, uh, I saw one match report that said it looked like QPR had their flip-flops on throughout the whole game, <laughs> which I think is quite a fair way of describing how they've been since the restart, really, because they were taken apart by a Wednesday side who haven't been in great shakes themselves in recent weeks. And it's quite concerning how bad QPR have been since the restart. They've lost more games than anyone else during that time. And their run of games have been probably the kindest in the division when you consider they've played the likes of Barnsley, Charlton, Middlesbrough, Wigan. Mm -hmm. And they've only scored two goals since the restart as well, which is madness. Yeah. yeah, because QPR were one of the top scoring sides in the division prior to uh, the coronavirus. It's very worrying times at the moment for Rangers. And I'm not saying they could go down because I'm not even sure if it's mathematically possible for them to go down. But they have been a real shambles recently and it got me thinking back to you know at the start of uh, <laughs> uh, when the football was just starting to return Mark Warburton was saying he didn't want the season to start up again so quickly which makes me yeah. wonder whether there's something else going on there but who knows really uh, it's sorry it's, it's one of them things that can seep into next season as well and the fact that Aberitchies is going to be well looked at from other clubs mm. I say Samuel as well because you know their ability that they've shown this season you take them two out of the side, what else have they got? Not much. You know, exactly. It is it is worrying. And as I said, the bad form can seep into the next season. So it is a bit of a concern for QPR. Yeah, it definitely is. Let's go on to the news from this past week, Justin, because we now know one of the teams who are going to be joining us from the Premier League next season. Norwich have officially been relegated back to the Championship. Uh, not a big surprise because Norwich have looked relegated since about Christmas time, really, haven't they? <laughs> but I'm looking forward to Norwich being in the Championship again. They're a very well-supported club, aren't they? Um, so, yeah, you're looking forward to seeing the Canaries back in the Championship? Yeah, Daniel Fark. I love his accent. His oh, yeah. accent's brilliant. Super. Um, and if they can keep hold of the players, it's very unlikely they will. You know, Bundier, Godfrey, Lewis, Aarons, Pukki. Yeah, there's some good players though, them, aren't they? Definitely, but the thing that's let them down is that they didn't invest. I think they spent about £4 million, didn't they? Something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's why they've been terrible. Well, that's the thing that has always haunted Norwich when they've been in the Premier League they have got there and then they've just criminally underspent and not really look like they've ever wanted to give the Premier League a good crack they seem like they're just happy to be there really we can say what we want just because I don't think there are any Norwich fans who listen to the podcast yet <laughs> so we'll slate them now but yeah yeah when when they're listening we'll be like yeah. oh hi you? Norwich fans I don't oh, see you how's it going <laughs> but yeah the, the thing is they will. They, they, I imagine they'll still hold on to a few of the names that got them promoted uh, a couple of seasons ago. Whether they hold on to uh, some of the names you've mentioned, such as uh, such as Aaron's uh, Lewis Cantwell, it, it remains to be seen. But 
They'll be an interesting team to watch next season, definitely. definitely. Uh, the Bristol Post claims Chris Hewton is interested in the Bristol City job. He's currently the favourite for the role. Stephen Gerrard is amongst a host of names which have been linked with the job over the past week. I think you saw your name mentioned for the job at some point, Justin. That's how many people have been named as apparently interested in the job. Would you be interested in the Bristol City job? I would. I, I would, actually. I think I'd get more out of that side than Lee Johnson did. <laughs> I would. I would. I would play my flair players. <laughs> well, one thing um, that's interesting that you said last week is that you thought Chris Hewton would be perfect for the Bristol City yes. job. And he's apparently interested. I, I was sceptical about whether he would be interested because he turned down, I think, the Watford job uh, last season or earlier in this season. So I, I thought he was aiming for a Premier League job. But it seems that a championship job may very well be on the horizon. So uh, are you still very much aboard the Chris Hewton to Bristol City boat? Definitely. I think if he's in charge of Bristol City next season, he will, they will do some damage. Yeah. He's a very good manager at this level, isn't he? He's, he's got a yeah. great record. And mm-hmm. I, I'm coming around to the idea of Chris Hewton being the next Bristol City manager. Ryan Lowe is another person who's been a link with the job. And as I said last week, I think a young manager like Ryan Lowe would not be a bad shout either. Uh, talking to managers, the Sun say Charlton will demand 750 grand if Birmingham make an approach for Lee Bowyer. There are reports that the board at St Andrews are considering him for the job. Now, Birmingham are one of those clubs where at the moment everything seems a bit unsettled and they could do with getting in someone. Been like that for years. It has been. But they could do with getting in someone like Lee Bowyer who can inject a bit of positivity into the club because he is someone who is doing a superb job at Charlton. I know the results recently haven't gone their way, but when you look at the overarching job he's done, he's a good manager, isn't he? And he'd be a great, great appointment for Birmingham City, wouldn't he? He would be, but you're going from like one boiling pot to another boiling pot in terms of ownership. But would you say the boiling pot at Birmingham isn't as hot as the Charlton boiling pot? Well, the Charlton one boils to the point of overflowing where the Birmingham one probably simmers. It's getting there. It's kind of nearly yeah. overflowing. It's just someone's it, managed it does, to turn down the heat. Yeah. It starts to overflow and then you turn it down a bit and then it goes back yeah. again. You turn it down by and sacking then... Pep Clotet. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you bring in someone like Lee Bowyer who can just turn it down nicely and just, you know, cook things slowly. Is that a fair way of putting it, would you say? Yeah. Depends what we're cooking, but yeah. <laughs> But focused on the actual story, seven hundred fifty grand for Lee Bowyer seems like a decent price, really, doesn't it? When you talk, it's quite about, expensive for a manager, isn't it? It, is, I suppose, it is. But when you think of transfer fees nowadays, seven hundred fifty grand seems like a steal, considering a manager is more important than a player. I guess so, but. Managers are more sackable than players for some reason. That is also true. Uh, the EFL has confirmed there have been no new positive coronavirus tests from the latest round of testing, which is good news, Justin, isn't it? That's positive news. It really is. And finally, the EFL job advert. Have you seen this? Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, so the EFL <laughs> have put out a... I presume it's real. I haven't seen anything to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's definitely real, real, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, they've put out a job advert for their head of PR yeah. and media. Mm-hmm. And the role is forty-five grand a year, which seems not that much for considering how important the job it is. Yeah, you'd be ahead of, so yeah, you'd I, I expect feel like a bit more. You'd be a bit underpaid for that, but especially uh, for the EFL, you're going to be very busy. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're not wrong there. But the most hilarious thing about this job advert was they had a list of essential requirements that were numbered. But on this numbered list, there were two number fours and no number eight, which I'm not saying sums up things at the AFL right now. But <laughs> Have you ever tried to format a Word document, especially in a numbered format it's, it's hard to and get you, wrong and you put in and you put in another number and it messes them up you're like i'll just save it and send it i get it i get it uh, i in my experience with word documents and i've realized this podcast has taken a very boring turn but it, <laughs> I, I find it very hard to get the numbers bit wrong but anyway we'll leave that there but this isn't a microsoft word uh, podcast we'll get on to the craig brasson pub quiz justin because this is the part of the show where i'm going to give justin six clues about a mystery championship footballer all he has to do is guess who it is he's played relatively recently will have made over 200 championship appearances now justin was on the back of a pretty poor run with this but he managed to pull it back a couple of weeks ago and now he's looking to see if he can start building up a bit of form or whether it was just a blip we're going to find out shortly I feel like you'll get this because I've made a couple of the clues a bit too easy for my liking but nonetheless we'll go ahead the first clue is this Justin you've done that on purpose I have because now it's going to mess (laughs) with your head it's mind games you're a scumbag first clue I've made 231 appearances in the second tier of English football scoring 56 goals 231 did you say yes Scoring 56. So nearly one in four. Hmm. Oh, um, Nicky Forster. It's not Nicky Forster. I'm a Spaniard and was once thought, and once thought of as quite a promising youngster, having represented Spain at all youth levels. Mm. You're a Spaniard. I'm a Spaniard. You're- you're a good Spaniard, but somehow made 256 appearances at Championship level. 231. Yeah, I don't know where I got 256 from. Um, that's tricky. Uh, I assume you're a goal scorer. Um, Would you like me to uh, move on? Leonardo Ajoa. He's not Spanish. No, he's Argentinian. Yeah, he's Argentinian. Uh, I made most of my Championship appearances for one club, but also had a loan spell at Crystal Palace in 2010. Hmm. Spanish, 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 Spanish. Spanish. Pablo Cuniago. It is Pablo Cuniago. Ah, I thought it was too easy. I shouldn't have mentioned that he was Spanish so early on. No, it was the Palace thing that gave it away. Oh, really? I do not remember him playing for Palace at all. Do you want to hear the rest of the clues? Go on then. I left English football at the age of 31 in 2011 and went on to have spells in Hong Kong, Vietnam, and India. Fair enough. And then in 2014, I called my former manager, Roy Keane, a coward and a complete mess as a football manager. After he called me lazy. Face, Pablo. (laughs) I would not say it to his face. I would not say anything (laughs) to Roy Keane's face, not even hi. Uh, It was after he called Pablo Cunago lazy in his autobiography. And then I scored 21 goals in my first season at Ipswich. Yeah. I I think you would have got that, wouldn't you, after... Yeah, Roy Keane bit. The seat. I was uh, I was a Pablo Cunago fanboy on Football Manager for about five <laughs> or six years. So you're immediately on the back foot. He was a legend. The fact the, the thing is, there aren't actually that many Spaniards who have played in the Championship. So yeah, I feel like I've dug point, my own yeah. grave there. He's the highest scoring Spaniard at Championship level. Just thought you'd like to know. That's that. a really interesting stat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pablo Hernandez isn't too far behind. I think actually, 
I'm, this isn't 100% uh, correct, but I think Cunhago might be the second highest scoring foreign player in championship history. Can you name who the first one is? Um, no. Chris Wood. You learn something new every day. Well, that's usual. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll be back again in midweek because, of course, there are more midweek games coming up. So we'll see you again on Thursday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Make me feel all right.